We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, here's one from uh, from John A1. We're getting close to the end of John's questions, Ryan. <laughs> Man, John got in there early, like almost always. He says, how does Christian Gray's upside stack up with Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes? Uh, he's got higher upside than both of them. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, he's faster than both of them. Yes. He's much faster. Chance Tucker has a really good feel for the position. He's a very natural, instinctive cover guy. He just doesn't run like Christian Gray does. Yeah, And Christian's got some good natural power. Uh, Ryan's thing is Ryan's got excellent. He's explosive. He's big. He's long. He's got, I mean, he can hit. He just doesn't show the coverage instincts. And he, and from what I've been told, his consistency, is like he'll have days in practice where he's like, I think we said this last year, but I've heard this from people at Notre Dame, several people, like there are days where you're like, this is our best corner. This guy has played better than anybody played today or, or like a week. And then he'll have a day where you're just like, this guy can't cover anybody. He's messing up his assignments. He's not doing what he needs to do. And you can't have that at corner. You just yeah. can't. You can't have a guy that on first and second down looks like an NFL first-round draft pick on third down, doesn't know what he's supposed to do, and gives up a 70-yard touchdown. You can't do that. And that that's going to be the big key for him. But, yeah, but Christian Gray has a lot of those same tools. Very, feel, I mean, great feel for coverage, instinctive, smart, but he's fast. Yes, and that's the difference. I, I think speed is the separator. I saw I, I got sent a couple clips, Brian, of Braylon James in the first practice where he was working against Ryan Barnes, and just seemed like Braylon was just beating him off the line, man, and just running by him yeah. a little bit, you know. And it's yeah. just like I, I understand Braylon's fast, but like Ryan Barnes is a third year player now, right? It's like you know, let's get the technical side from the line of scrimmage to transitions a little better, and then maybe you can match that speed. I just don't think that he has incredible speed. I, but I think that Christian Christian Gray has everything that you need to be a very good player at Notre Dame, yeah. right? Like he's got the feel, he's got the body type, he's got the length, he's got the speed. Everything's there. It's just you might not see it a ton this year potentially because you have so many good corners on the roster right now, you know? Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get to some more here, Ryan. Here's from Paul Hamilton. His question is: I thought Avery Davis retired. Why was he participating in the pro day? I I never I never saw that he retired. I just saw that yeah. he was not going to come back in their name. Braden Lindsay retired from football. That's who. Yes, retired he football. retired. Yeah, uh, not not Avery Davis. I, I, I still would have loved to see Braden Lindsay just tested the pro yes. day, even if he's not going to go for the Dude, just <laughs> go to the NFL. And go run at the pro day. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. That's and that's selfish on my part. I just want to see what he'd be able to do as a tester because I think he would have tested very well in several aspects. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to some uh, more here, Ryan. We got some really good stuff. That was a, a, a the question about Christian Gray. I thought was a really good one. It is. This question from Coach Bent five seventy four. If you guys were Notre Dame head coach, who would be on your coaching staff? Current coaches only, and no one on the current Notre Dame staff. Oh my gosh! Wait, so can I take head coaches and put them as position coaches? Am I allowed to do that in this conversation? <sighs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. So my defensive coordinators Kirby Smart, my yes. corners coach is Nick Saban. Um, yeah, my quarterbacks coach is Ryan Day. Uh, let's see here. My receivers coach is Dabo. All right. Yeah. So I'm going there. Harry, he stands my O-line coach. Uh, let's see here. Oh, he's not a current coach. He's retired. Uh-huh. You can't, you can't use Harry. He's retired. Not current. Uh-huh. Current coach. He, Hey, he hasn't gone through a season yet. Right. He'd been <laughs> retired before. Uh, if I had to go with a current coach and I couldn't use Harry, I'd probably go with Kyle flood. It's probably who I'd go with. He'd be That's in that one. conversation for me. Yeah, uh, my offensive coordinator would not be Ryan Day. He'd be my quarterbacks coach. My offensive coordinator would be Kalen DeBoer. He'd like be that. my offensive coordinator. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. When I'd have Chip Long as my defensive ends coach, my defensive line coach. I don't know who my defensive line coach would be, Ryan. I'd have to think about that one. I'd have to think about that one. I'm, I'm not sure I could tell you who that would be. My yeah. safety's coach is Mike Elko. There's no doubt about that one. You know, I think he might be in the NFL now, but a guy that I thought did a great job as a D-line coach, I think he's he was with the Giants for a while. I think it was Sean Spencer. Yes. Uh, used to be the D-line coach for the – the. Uh, I guess he's back in college now. Is it Florida? Okay. Yes. Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah. I saw was, that before. Co- he'd be my D-line coach. I thought he did a great job with, the, with Penn State coaching the D-line. He'd be yeah. my D-line coach. Yeah, he definitely would be there for me. There's no doubt. My one. running backs coach, if I like, if I can't use Dylan, who's then it's Tony Alford. That's a no brainer for me. That's a no brainer. Oh, actually, you know what? I don't know if I would go with with Kyle. I, I, it's hard for me to to go against what Sherrod Moore is doing at Michigan right now. Yeah, back to I back, mean, yeah. dude. And and yeah. they're not an overly talented. We said this earlier in the week. They're not an overly talented offensive line. They yeah. just play incredibly well together. Yeah. He's doing a and, great job with that. And they're not and they're not getting like super recruits in there either, right? It's just like he's just coaching them up, man. Right. Just coaching them I mean, up. They have like, some, I mean, Zach Zinner had a decent ranking, and yeah. you know, Ryan Hayes had a decent ranking. And it's the funny thing is some of their highest ranked guys didn't pan out. They had that Chuck Filiaga guy who was a pretty highly ranked guy. He hasn't panned out. But yeah, I mean, they've they've had some guys that weren't really ranked that high. He just like you said, there's no one great player. Zach Zinter, you said is probably their best. But mm-hmm. they just play so well as a unit. Right. They replaced two or three starters from last year's team. Go get the transfer from Virginia, and they just kept going, just kept Plug going. It. And I think you can make a case that in some time, at some times, their O line this year by the end of the year was better than their O line was the year before. I would, I would argue that. Yeah, I think it was. I, I would, I would make that case. So, because I think their center was so much better. But like you said, Ryan, he's not John Michael Schmitz. No, in my opinion, he's not even Jared Patterson, in my opinion, as a center, but he just, they were just, man, they were just a really good unit. Just a really good unit. Who'd be my special teams coordinator. I mean, it's, it's prime. no, you know who my special teams coordinator would be because a guy that's done it for a long time and a guy that is not just good in like certain parts of it is, and this is who there was two coaches that I wanted Notre Dame to hire special teams coach. One is Justin Lester because he's a good friend of mine. But the other one is LeVar Woods at Iowa. 
His oh, yeah. special teams are outstanding year after year after. They rank in the top five to ten every year in special teams at Iowa. Every year. And so uh, I think he'd be a guy that I would absolutely look at. Because, again, I can't use Marty Biagi because he's gone. But he's been their special teams coordinator since 2018, Ryan. I'm going to pull up the FEI rankings and just read these to you. Because when I when I was doing research for who I thought Notre Dame should look at, I was like, man, this this guy – this guy's doing a this guy's doing a pretty good job. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna pull these these up for you and, and give you these rankings. So his first year, right, they ranked uh they ranked 13th. And then 2019, they ranked, let's see here, third. In 2020, they ranked 10th. That was the COVID year. 2000, 2021, they ranked second. And this year in 2022, they ranked 12th. So this was his worst special teams he had, and they ranked 12th. Yeah. Like, and that's consistently. That's from, you know, that's a guy that's been doing that since 2018, and they've been that way. And and so like to me, that 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 impress that impressed me. That impressed Did me he- a lot. And here's the thing: the year before he got there, they weren't terrible, but they ranked 22nd in special teams the year before he got there. And I was always had quality special teams, but that guy has been, but that's part of the reason I like him too, is because he has been under a coach who's always valued the importance of special teams play over his career. And yeah. he's a guy that played special teams in college and in the NFL. So LeVar Woods would be my special teams coordinator. If I had did, to, if I had to do that. Did he play? His name sounds really familiar to me. Like, yeah, I, I think he was in the NFL for a minute. Uh, makes sense. His name I, I, sounds really familiar yeah. to me. Let me let me find it here real quick. Let's see here. Uh, during his NFL playing career, Woods played for the Arizona, Chicago, Detroit, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, in 88 career games played, he had 168 tackles, two and a half sacks, four fumble recoveries, and one forced fumble. Okay. So I think yeah. I remember him a little bit as a player. Yeah. Yeah. He, yep. Yep. And he's coached a position. He's coached linebackers. He's coached tight ends. He's done other things during his career. So he could coach a position as well. So, yeah, that's where I would go. Love That's it. where I would go. So yeah, this is a good one. I like those questions. Yep. And Ryan, I'm going to ask this because it's a recruiting question, so I'll let you answer that one. He goes, Nathan Milton sure. asks, "What's the skinny on Ryan Wingo and Elijah Rushing?" I mean, there's just not much update on Ryan Wingo. I mean, I'm sp- I'm supposed to be getting a little bit of intel as far as you know what if there is a chance that he's going to revisit Notre Dame sometime this spring or summer pretty soon. But I'll say this right now, Nathan, to my knowledge. That visit has not been set up. If Notre Dame gets Ryan Wingo back on campus, I think they have a puncher's chance. But if they if he doesn't come back this spring or summer, then that's that's all she wrote, in my opinion, on the Ryan Wingo conversation. Right. Yeah. Elijah rushing, it's a surprising one, man. I mean, I, this this is where I am with rushing. I would still not predict him to end up at Notre Dame, but the fact that they're getting him for an official visit on the 9th through the eleventh, I think is very good sign for Notre Dame. I think it is. I mean, Anytime that you can get the kid to come back for his third visit and one being an official visit, you have some sort of chance, right? Like right. Again, I still would not predict Elijah Rushing to end up with Notre Dame, but clearly they haven't given up. Clearly there is some attraction to Notre Dame from Elijah Rushing's side. So again, get him on campus, blow him away, and maybe you have a shot when it's all said and done. But you know, at the end of the day, you got him coming back on campus, which is a great sign. Get Ryan Wingo. I think you have a, a to get him back on campus. I think you have a puncher's chance. If you don't get him back on campus, then that conversation's over, in my opinion. Yep. yep. That's a good one. Good one. Here we go from um Christopher Crosby. Got another one from Christopher. Actually, I'll read this one right. It's a draft one for you. He yep. says, Where the Ravens pick and the draft board drying up so fast, would it be better trading back into the second round and getting someone like Josh Downs or my steal of the draft, Clark Phillips? I know you, he he's gonna He's going to make you happy with that uh, mention of Clark Phillips, right? <laughs> Those are two of my favorite players in the draft. I love Joshua Downs, and I like I love Clark Phillips, cornerback out of Utah. Where I'm trying to remember where the Ravens pick in this draft. Are they? Let late me look teens, it up here real quick. Ryan. I think I think they might be late teens. I can't remember though because they didn't make the playoffs this year, did they? Like they uh, did. No, uh, yeah, they did because remember they had that big deal where Lamar didn't travel. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're like early twenties is where they're yeah. picking, right? Yeah, like they pick twenty second, and then their next yeah. pick is the eighty six. So the question would be: Is okay if there's not a lot of difference between a guy picking twenty second and a guy picking thirty fifth or fortieth? 
Yeah. You know, which I've heard people say, like, there's not a lot of difference because there's, I've heard there's decent depth in the draft, but just not a lot of high level guys. Then do yep. you pick up extra picks for next year's draft class, or do you try to pick up extra picks for later in this draft? I, I mean, I think that would be the the conversation. But yeah, I I, th- I think that for me, if if you really want a wide receiver, Christopher, for the Ravens, which I think they do, I would hope that they do because their wide receivers are just not a great position right now. I think that you would be better served trading back than sticking at twenty two because at at like in Brian's situation there, if you're at like 35 or so or 40 or whatever it ends up being, you might have a chance to get a Joshua Downs or a Zay Flowers potentially, or, you know, another, you know, maybe a Cedric Tillman's a guy you like, maybe Jalen Hyatt's still there out of Tennessee. Like there's, there's a, a plethora of good second round wide receivers in the 2023 draft. In my opinion, I don't think it's a great draft for first round wide receivers. I do not think it is. So trading back, I think would be a good option. Clark Phillips, man. I mean, it's my guy. Everyone's overlooking him now because he's five nine. It's like, yeah, guys, he was five nine on film too, and he was yeah. still really dang good. So, yeah, I, I really like Clark Phillips still a lot. He is a guy that day one nickel, but I also think that he could. Pl- I think he could play outside in certain in certain defenses. I really do. He's mm-hmm. a really smart football player. So, good options, I think, if you're the Ravens. Yeah. All right, next one, Ryan. Here we go. Let's keep rocking and rolling here. USMA87 said, how did Estimate look in person? The picks I have seen, he looks a little leaner than last year. Well, I think it's because he didn't have pads on. I mean, he's still pretty pretty rocked up to me. So I think a lot of it is you're not, you don't have pads on. So he's going to look a little leaner when you don't have pads on. But no, he looks pretty good. And, and look, this is, this is, certain players are going to want to get bigger this time of year and then work some of that weight off. Other guys are going to lose weight and then add it on over the summer months. So that's going to be part of it too, is this March and April is just part of the process of preparing for August and September, October, November. You're not meant to be in peak shape for like season shape. Now you're in March shape. You're in March condition. You're working excuse me, on different aspects of your body at this time. For some guys, that means they need to get built up a little bit and then refine it, you know, or or maybe work some of it off. I got to get the weight on you now so we can then reshape it over the next six months. Other guys, it's, hey, let's trim some of that fat off and then build the muscle back up by the time we get to August. So guys are different places. And and, and I hope that Audric is a little leaner because I thought that was one of my concerns about him is I thought he was a little too yoked last year Ryan and a a little tightly wound in my opinion so I wouldn't mind seeing him you know maybe focus on like if I was the strength coach I'd say hey let's work on building your your strength endurance up as opposed to just having you be this monster you know what I mean let's work on can you do this for 60 snaps if the need was there you know and that that would be that would be where I would want to have that conversation with with Audric but again it's it's nitpicking a little bit because he's pretty good pretty good player yes pretty good (laughs) yeah all right let's get to uh let's get to some more questions here yep and this one's from christopher crosby says if the linebackers don't change and the only improvement they show is they know the system better can you still win a championship with the defense in your opinion that's an interesting question i i yeah it can. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my, my initial Look, thought was yes. Because yeah. if they, th- what was the only issue they had last year? Knowing the system. Mistakes yeah. that came with knowing the system. If the only improvement is they know the system better, they're going to be better. Yeah. It'll be There's better. no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Because the one thing you and I have argued for a while, especially when it comes to like JD Bertrand and Marist, athleticism and talent is not their issue. The only guy with a, 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 a talent flaw is Jack Kaiser. And that's only in certain situations when he's when his lack of length gets exposed. Jack can space. run. Yeah. Jack can move. Jack can come downhill and hit. It's just he's six foot, six one, with kind of short arms. And there are certain matchups where it's like, why are you asking him to run to chase over routes against North Carolina against right. their slot receiver? I'm sorry. That's a that's more of a coaching mistake than it was a Jack Kaiser mistake. But you don't. Jack's not a guy that's going to flip his hips and go run with people. He's a downhill guy. But talent's not their issue. It's knowing the defense. Because if if Jalen Steed knows the defense, he's going to be a dude. Yeah. If Nolan Ziegler knows the defense, he's going to be a dude. 
if Marist knows the defense, he'll be better. I still think he has a control problem as a player, you know. But if JD's more rocked, like rock, like locked on, excuse me, to the, the defense, he's going to be an even better player. And JD was good last year. I, I, JD Bertrand to me is the is the oddest kid on the team when it comes to how what I see on film and yeah. what Notre Dame fans say about him. It is the weirdest thing. Like we talked I about this yesterday. Hardly we talked about any this Notre Dame fans that like have good things to say about JD Burch. And I'm like, what are you watching? I, I don't get it. Brian, He's we were talking about this. Player. We were talking about this yesterday on the show. I'm like, JD Bertrand's going to end his Notre Dame career with almost 300 tackles, most likely, right? And it's just like he's a pretty good player, man. Like yes. he wasn't bad. Like yes. <laughs> no, he is. JD Bertrand's a good football player. Now, is he a great player? No. But JD's a good football player. I mean, Ryan, if he has 109 tackles this year, which is only seven more than he had in 2021, yeah, he's a 300 tackles first career. You know, and he's had 15 tackles for loss the last two years and three sacks. That, that was so, my favorite. My favorite part is someone in the chat yesterday was like, he only makes tackles five yards down the field. I'm like, you know who was second on the team in tackles for loss last year, right? Like, he right. didn't have tackles for loss. Uh, again, like, but like, where does that, like, here's the thing, right? Where does that come from? Yeah. Like, that's the thing is like, you, you say that to me and I'm like, no, that's not what I see. I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know yeah. what you're looking at. I don't understand where this mantra comes from. I, I think, I think Joe Schmidt heard everyone, honestly, and they just associate yeah, every I think they undersized see a short, white, white linebacker. linebacker who yeah. was JD was so enamored with Notre Dame that he was willing to be a walk on. If that many could come here because he came from a family situation where they could afford to put him here, yeah. but he ended up being on scholarship. So I think that, thought of of him being willing to do that put in people's minds a walk-on yeah he's not he's not he was a four-star caliber kid coming out of high school who was previously committed to georgia you know and and so i just i just don't understand where this this anti jd bertrand thing comes from and you know oh he's not he can't run yes he can I, I hate. He I just hate the. Can. I, I hate the extremes, Brian, because it's like you can say that JD is a good, solid football player, and still yes. say that you need to get better. Like, yeah, of course. Yes. Like, that's okay to say. Hey, look, both. it's okay Mr. to say. Both. He only makes plays down the field. JD Bertrand averaged more tackles for loss this season per game than Jalen Smith ever did in his career. Yeah. yeah. Because Jalen's best season ever was back to back years of nine tackles for loss. Yep. And Jalen, in both of those years, Jalen did that in 13 games. JD this year in 12 games, and if you have to think about it, in two games he played, he missed half the games or half the plays. JD had eight and a half tackles for loss this year. Right. So is he a star? I'm not saying he's a star. I just don't understand where this anti-JD Bertrand thing comes from. I don't get it. You want to complain about Marist? I get it. You want to complain about Jack? being exposed in certain situations, I get it. J.D. Bertrand was Notre Dame's best linebacker last year by far. And if the if what's around him gets better, he's going to get even better. So I really don't get this, Ryan. I, I, do, I do not understand. Like sometimes you can be like, okay, I think you guys are overstating it, but I yeah. understand where it's coming from. With sure. this J.D. hate, I do not understand where it comes from. I really don't. I really don't. It It, it puzzles me. It really does puzzle me why more people aren't like this kid's a good football player. Yeah. You know, and, and and go back and look at him against Clemson. Like thir- 12 tackles, nine of them were solo against Clemson. He was really good that game. That was, was probably really his best game of the game. year. That was probably his best game of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the next one, Ryan. From Nathan Mellon, he says, hypothetically, can you either get Justin Scott or Keon Keeley? Which are you taking? You can either get Justin Scott or Keon Keeley. Which are you taking? Uh, Look, I love Justin Scott, but that's not a question for me. It's Keon Keeley. Keon Keeley was the number one player in the country last year in in all of high school football. And and he would be in this class too. He would be in this class too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He would be a, yeah. Now look, I'm thrilled with either one of them either. And you could argue Ryan that Justin is the bigger need. And I think you can make yeah. a case for that, that Justin, you, you have other big time high upside ends. You have other high upside vipers. Yeah. You don't have well, anyone yeah. on the roster like, like Justin Scott. You could make that yeah. case. 
Well, yeah, you could say who's who's a who's a player that helps your team or has an impact on what the state of your team right now more. And I would say Justin Scott. I mean, three hundred ten pounds. He kind of transitions right in that defense early. I mean, Keon Keeley plays early too because he's special. Like, there's no doubt about that. But to your point, interior defensive line size and impact is more of a need than what the Viper position is, in my opinion. Right. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where we are. Yeah. That's that's a good question. I think that's a really good question. I think if if I can only have pick one, I'm and I'm I'm taking Keon, but there is a case that could be made, Ryan, that you have to draft for need, yeah. right? At some times. And and what's better? Keon at Viper and whoever you have at three technique, or Justin Scott at three technique with Josh Burnham at Viper. That's right. where you could sell me on Justin Scott. But you'd have to sell me on it because y'all know how much I how much I love Keon as a player. Like Keon's a got star potential. Mm-hmm. Justin Scott does too, but Keon to me is more ready. And again, this is based on junior film of the two players. Justin Scott could come out as a senior and end up being end up being a better player. I mean, we'll yeah. see because he's got tremendous tools. But Keon was more was a more more dynamic players a junior than Justin was as a junior. And part of that's because Justin was playing both ways. That that has to be factored into it as well. She was playing O-line and D-line where Keon was just a defensive player. So yeah, it's a good question. And and by the way, Christopher Crosby, your conversation, your question, this question right here sparked a conversation about JD. That doesn't mean that you're the reason that we are feeling the way we're feeling about fans views of JD. It's more of looking at it of that led to the conversation of some of the, just the, the, just the really ridiculous things that I've seen about him said on especially i mean it's 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 mostly on twitter but even on our board with some people that i consider to be good posters sometimes will just say things you're like wow like i don't i don't see where you're getting that from i just i have no clue where you're getting that from you want to talk about they need to make a change of will rover okay we can have that conversation but jd at mike is a pretty good football player and he's a captain he's a great leader and you you know but you shouldn't just be a starter because you're a great leader joe schmidt was right. a great leader but he's just, a much he's a much different look. I get the I get why people view him that way, as far as comparing him to Joe. But he is a way, way better player than what Joe Schmidt was, and, and I mean all due respect to Joe because I think the world of Joe Schmidt for him to to do what he did and get the most out of his ability and then you know and again Joe was a better player before the injury. He still was nearly as good as JD is, but he was a in 2014 Joe Schmidt was a much better player than he was in 2015. A kid like him with his lack of elite athletic tools cannot afford to have the kind of injury that Joe had in 2014. Just can't afford to have it. And a guy like him can't lose a step. And that's what killed him in 20. Cause he was a solid player in 2014. He was bad in 2015. Yeah. He, he was bad. And a lot of it was just, I think the injury, he should not have been playing. I mean, you know, he just was, he just, yeah. I mean, play Niles, play Greer, play Jared Grace. I thought the Jared Grace, when he got in at times that year, was a pretty good player. He's one kid who I still feel was one of the biggest what-ifs of the last decade. I still would have loved to have seen what Jared Grace could have done had he not blown his knee out or got his leg tore up. He was a he was like 6'3". He was solid. He was a good athlete. He was instinctive. I think he could have been a dude at Notre Dame. And I, I, I think I'd be one if – if one of y'all listen to Lucky Lefty, if they ever do – I don't know if they do like questions a lot. Ask Malik about Jared Grace. I'll bet you Malik will tell you that. If he doesn't get hurt, he would have been a dude. But Jared Grace coming out of coal rain, right? I loved Jared Grace coming out. And then he got his knee torn up, and he just was never the same athletically. I mean, to the point where, like, he couldn't even – for he had a – I mean, it wasn't just like a torn ACL. He had a devastating knee injury. And the fact that he even got on the field in 2015 says a lot about – like, like kind of like Jalen Smith, you know, like – yeah, most guys don't even come back at all from that. And Jarrett came back and was still able to play a little bit, but he would have been a dude at Notre Dame if he didn't get hurt. I really you said, believe you that. said he came out of Colerain, Ohio. Colerain, yeah, 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 yeah. Came, he was part of the I think the 2011 class. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, yeah, 2011 class. I think he could have been an absolute dude, an absolute dude, uh, had he not gotten hurt. So and he broke his fibula. It was like a really uh. bad injury. Really fibulas, are not, fibulas aren't great, man. They're not great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, man, he was really good. And that was in yeah. 2013. So, yeah, it was yeah. a bummer. That was a bummer. But um, <coughs> yeah. isn't it crazy that 2013 was 10 years ago now? Isn't I know. Wild? 
I know <laughs> it really is nuts. It, it really is nuts. It really is. And in 2013, Jarrett played seven games and had 41 tackles. I mean, so he was coming along. He was starting to yeah. come along. Yeah, he he really was. But uh, it's one of the things that I hate about football. You just have that happen sometimes, you know. Yep. Question from USMA87. Who is throwing to Mayor at Pro Day? Sam, Sam Hartman. Hartman. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Which yeah, is awesome. awesome. Now, so I got my I got my thing here. So they did uh, from out in the field, and then they did some red zone stuff. And I'm trying to count here. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I counted 21 throws to the field, like out in the field, like from the 40 going in and then from like midfield going in. And yep. not a single ball hit the ground. There was nice. one higher throw, but the guy made the catch on it. He was thrown to Mayer. He was thrown to um, he was thrown to Jafar Armstrong, and then he was thrown yeah. to some kid named Hendricks. Ryan, do you know who this was? Some receiver named Hendricks. Oh, like, Indiana State. Yeah, Indiana yeah. State. We knew he was from yeah. some smaller. I don't know if it was Dante. Like I think it's something. Dante Hendricks. Something maybe? like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was thrown to him, and not a single ball hit the ground. They had some misses in the red zone on some back shoulder stuff, but I mean he he. He was throwing some great deep balls, and I only have one. I have one wrote down as high. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and he was thinking like wide fades, go routes, post routes, deep over routes. He, yeah, that, they were they were a nice connection out on the field. There's no doubt about it. That, that Hendricks kid was a really good player for Indiana State. I was happy. I'm glad that he got to show out in, for, at Notre Dame. That's good for him, man. So and then Jafar Armstrong did a pro day with Notre Dame today. Yeah, he well, ended up at back. Northern Iowa, Illinois. Illinois, Illinois. Yeah. Now he might Illinois have transferred State. somewhere else this year. No, he went to he transferred to Illinois uh, from Notre Dame. Huh. So I, he might have transferred like Western Illinois or something like that after Illinois. But he he went from Notre Dame to Illinois, and I think he went somewhere else after that. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, he he originally went to to Illinois. So here I'm looking here real quick. Somebody, some, some I think it's Western Illinois. Maybe he transferred to Western, Western Illinois. Illinois his last year. Makes sense. But uh, he started his career at Notre Dame and then went to Illinois. So it looks like he had 28 catches for 363 yards this year for Illinois, Western Illinois, and then had 12 kick returns for 273 yards. Western it was weird. Illinois. Like he, he was running routes. And he was like, ah, ah, ah. Like he was just like, you know, like, and I was like, dude, what, what are Jafar? What are you doing, man? <laughs> what are you doing? Western Illinois, man. And his year as a leatherneck. Good for him. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, let's get to some more here, Ryan. Let's keep uh, rocking and rolling. This is an interesting one right here. I responded, said, if Notre Dame joined a conference, what is your dream 12-team conference for Notre Dame's honor? Who is Notre Dame and win natties? Who? okay. Um, 12-team conference. Mm. What is your idea? I mean, we talked about this before, Ryan. Yeah. I, I've said, look, if, if Notre Dame – Notre Dame should have, instead of – like. They, I wish they would have done more to con. And again, it's hard because there's TV contracts and and all that. But if it was just about, I would have loved to see Notre Dame kind of like start like a like an American conference or so, you know, or some kind of you know big time conference where you take you take some of the old school independents and a couple of your rivals. So it'd be like Notre Dame and USC and UCLA, uh, you know, but in like it's like Penn State, and it's just been a football conference. You know, take Penn State, take Virginia Tech, you know, try to get because Florida State wants out of the AAC, ACC bad. Yeah. I take like Florida State, Miami. I take West Virginia, some teams like that. Just take a bunch of the old school independents that are big name programs and then a couple of your rivals. And I'd put Navy in there just, you know, you need to have somebody you can beat up on. Right. So, <laughs> but I'd, it'd be something like that uh, that I would want to have, you know, and, just kind of go from there. Probably get a four, a twelve-team league. I see. I don't love twelve-team leagues, Ryan. I like ten-team leagues, or I like fourteen or bigger league teams, right? Because I, my whole thing is, I want to, I want to have a situation where, like, I don't actually mind sixteen-team leagues. Just make your two divisions where there's really you have like one crossover rival, but the rest of it is you're just gauged against your conference, and then you have the conference champion, your division, and then you have the conference championship game. Like I feel like if you're ten or smaller is ideal if you want to play everybody, and then have more non conferences. But to me, it's like these fourteen, these twelve team leagues. It's like okay, you're playing the five on your side, and three on the other side, 
or four on the other side, it's like, okay, that, that work, that can work for me and you're playing everybody, but it's just, I don't know. It's like, there's like one team you're not going to play it from the other side. It's almost like you can have, you know, either just don't play anybody on the other side at all, or just like one rivalry game or just play your division. And then, yeah. you know, play in the conference championship game or something like that. But uh, I'd rather be 16 team conference where you just basically play eight, eight on your side and then one crossover and then just, you know, or play eight and 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 just play your division, and then your two leagues play, and for championship, you know, championship game, and then have more. I wish they'd have more non-conferences. The problem is when they have more non-conferences, Ryan, teams end up playing crap non-conference games. Yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't like nine conference games. I don't. I, I want to see more crossover. I wish there would be more things where leagues kind of had. You had to have like you had to play like two power five non-conferences. You know, get rid of non-conference games and then get rid of FCS games unless there's – I would make exceptions. I've said this before. Uh, my exceptions would be it's got to be a state school in your state. Yep. And, you know, like it, like if you're if you're Florida State and you want to play, you know, FAMU, that's good. I, well, is FAMU a state school? I don't think that they are, but some state school, right? It'd have to be like another state school, right? If yeah. you're Georgia and you want to play Savannah State, cool. It's an it's an in-state school. You're helping that program out. You're helping another state program out. Or it's got to be a team that's finished in the top 25 at least once in the previous three years, right? Like, okay, you want to go play Northern Iowa? Go for it. You want to play North Dakota State? Go for it. You know, you want to play uh, Sam North, Houston North when they Dakota. were balling? Go for it. North Dakota State would never, man. North Dakota State would never. Would they, never what? They, they stopped doing those. Um, like they they stopped playing a bunch of FBS teams now for some reason. It's like they kind of just want to stay in their bubble now. North they played Arizona State, this so. past year. North Dakota State did. Yeah, I thought um, no, Arizona beat them. Yeah, no. They oh yeah, through, you're right. You're right. They went right. through a couple of years, Ryan, where where they weren't doing that, but that wasn't because of them. That was because teams wouldn't play them. Like, cause they'd beaten it. Like they beat Iowa. They beat Iowa state. They were beating teams. And so teams just stopped playing them. And then of course, 2020 hurt because you know, the obviously FCS got rid of football that year, which was really dumb. But yeah, that was a part yeah. of it is teams just stopped playing them because they were, they were going to play in uh, division one teams and beating them. Yeah. And that they were like, yeah, screw that, man. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. Like you schedule this team and you get whooped by them. A hard pass people, on that action. People are gonna people are gonna start uh start avoiding South Dakota State. By the way, too, they can yeah. beat. They, they almost beat Iowa this year. They 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 beat the brakes off of uh what's their names the year before. They destroyed Colorado State. Remember that game? Oh yeah, that game was like sixty something to thirty or something like yeah. that. Like they beat the brakes oh, yeah. off of Colorado State that year. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that was yeah. uh. I like, it, South I, like when the, nope, I like when those and like where the Dakotas all of a sudden get good at football. It's 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 really impressive. It, it really is. It gets underrated too because South Dakota and North Dakota, not the states, North Dakota and South Dakota are actually pretty good football teams as well. Like they're yeah. not bad either, but it's like but the North Dakota states and the South Dakota states get all the conversation because they're just yeah. dominant. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, here's one from Vanilla Chill. With the Shrewsbury hire, do you see more of a commitment to the b-ball program by Notre Dame? I hope so. I mean, look, y'all have to understand something about me. I'm a show me guy with it when it comes to Notre Dame right now. You got to yeah. show me. From from what I've been able to read, again, I don't follow, I don't co- we don't cover basketball at Irish Breakdown. I've I've written two articles noting that the Shrewsbury hire, but like I'm not like beating down the door trying to get scoop from people. Yeah, but from what I've been able to gather. It does seem that Notre Dame actually got into a bit of a back and forth with Shrewsbury for his for that. So, like, I don't know if Penn State eventually came with an even bigger offer, but Notre Dame didn't need to. Notre Dame didn't necessarily have to outbid for Shrewsbury. They just had to get close enough to where he could just because he's an Indianapolis guy. He spent most of his coaching career in Indiana. You know, he coached. Yeah. He was the head coach at Indiana South Bend. He was an assistant coach under Brad Stevens at at uh, Butler. He spent two different stints at Purdue under Matt Painter, and then outside of that, the two years at Penn State, and then his time with the Celtics, working for Brad Stevens, were his only time out of the state. So you just had to get you had to be competitive. And from what everything I've been able to to hear is Notre Dame made a pretty good offer to him. He's going to make over three million dollars a year. 
Nice. You know, almost four, uh, depending on who you talk to. I think Tom Noy from uh, South Bend Tribune reported it's not quite the $4 million offer that people are saying it is, but it's at least in the ballpark, which is a good offer. So you didn't get outbid for him. So that's a good first step, right? Yep. But also, it's not like Penn State's Duke. You know, they're not throwing as much money to basketball coach as Duke is or Syracuse is either. Sure. So I, I think, you know, I think it's a good sign, but it's going to be more about, okay, fine, you're paying him, but here's the rub. Are you going to then say, okay, but because we're paying you more, we're not going to give you as high of a coaching assistant coaching salary as we did before. We're not going to work with you on getting kids into school that, you know, th- those are the things that you, you'll really find out about whether or not they're really serious. But I hope, I hope it is. Look, look, here's the thing. Jack Swarbrick, as much as I like to bang on him, I want to be fair. I'm not going to bang on him just because they did spend a lot of money on getting a new basketball facility. Now, was it late? Yes, it was late, but it's still from everything that I've been able to see. It's a really good basketball situation. I mean, Mike Bray just signed a really good recruiting class a year ago. They got a five-star in JJ Starling. The Vin Lubin kid is excellent. And obviously you've lost JJ Starling. He's at Syracuse now, but I mean, they were getting kids because that stuff helped. So, if you support it, yeah, I think basketball team can be pretty good. Because the other thing, too, is you know, Notre Dame's the kind of school that can recruit. Like, I don't think that Notre Dame needs to recruit the five stars a whole lot. If you can get a local guy, if you can get a Blake Wesley and a J.J. Starling to fit in, great. But I think Bray's recipe of getting the veterans that are going to stay for a long time is where Notre Dame needs yeah. to be. Yep. His problem wasn't that. His problem was you got some good pieces, but then you'd have complete whiffs on other things. Like because you're trying, you're having to play Nate Lashevsky like he's a big, because you failed to recruit that position worth a darn, and so now Nate has to play in the post more and defensively more. But that's he needed to be a pure stretch four, playing more three than five, and that's where he failed. But he just had a bunch of the same dude on his roster, and they play no defense whatsoever, and it just gotten had gotten stale. But Notre yeah. Dame did not lack for quality basketball talent this year. They just the met the, it had just gotten the place had just gotten bad and it was just the roster wasn't put together well. So Notre Dame's been trying from an administration standpoint to be better at basketball. I just think the timing of it, they should have supported Bray more 10 years ago. Sure. And yeah. not waited till now when it's it's you know, the rest of college basketball is caught up to him offensively. And now the fact that his teams can't defend is even more exposed because they don't they don't they're not the the unique team offensively they used to be. So I, I think you can criticize him there, but recently they've been doing what they need to do to support it. I think he, his the issues lately have been him more so than the administration. If we're being fair, yeah. now that wasn't always the case for a while. There the administration was the problem, but like he's made some bad hires. He's you know he brought some guys in that were former players. They got in trouble or they didn't pan out. There's been some issues there. But uh, I mean that—that's you know that's kind of that's on him, right? That's yeah. more on him. So, but uh, I think I think they can get. It's an interesting situation too because there's going to be no expectations for Micah Shrewsbury next year. None. He's going to have a, basically a brand new roster. I mean, just a completely yeah. brand new roster. So I mean, I saw take Cormac Ryan's going to the trade report. I'm like, how first of all, I didn't even realize like I saw an eligibility left. Seriously, how long but, has he been uh, playing, man? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. But JJ Starling's already at Syracuse. I mean, it, you're yeah. gonna you're gonna be completely revamping. You're losing a bunch of dudes. To the you know to not being at, no more eligibility left. They're gonna be a completely brand new program. And and Bray had just done such a bad job, really, just keeping this roster where it needed to be. But. From everything I've heard, I, I like the hire. People have sold me on it. You know, I didn't know a lot about him, other than, you know, I think I think I had it. Ryan, what would my article say? This is the this year was the first year that Penn State had won an NCAA tournament game since like 06 or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. he had been in the in the tournament in a decade, you know. And he, and, and they look second round game. They they went down to the wire. They they competed. And it was Texas, right? They played Texas in the second round, I believe. And yeah. it was a heck of a game, and just lost it late, you know. But he did a great job there. He really did. Did a really good job there. I want to get I want to get back to relevance, Brian. You know, you know what stinks about this year is that it's been a really entertaining NCAA tournament, but I didn't get into basketball college basketball at all this year because Notre Dame wasn't relevant, man. Right. It was just like I when Notre Dame's good, I follow college basketball a lot more. When Notre Dame's yeah. not good, I barely watch, if I'm being honest, yeah. right? And I mean, yeah, like I watched some of the game last night. Did you see the uh the Kansas State game last night between uh, Michigan State and Kansas State? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a fantastic finish, man. Did you see that fake that they did, where the the guys like trying to argue this coach and they're setting up a lob? I was like, oh, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, that's really nice. That's beautiful. Yeah, I forgot that 
I didn't even know who their head coach was, Kansas State, because I just didn't follow basketball this year. I'm like, hey, yeah. Bruce Weber's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce <Whoops>. Weber. <laughs> and Frank Martin's not their coach anymore. Or what happened? Yeah. Yeah. He took them to the Elite Eight, right? Frank Martin. He did. He did. So, that was a good yeah. team. That those had like Jacob Pullen and those cats yeah. right back yeah. then. And that was no pun on the on them being the Wildcats, by the way. It was just yeah. like cats. Is, yeah, yeah. 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 This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Uh, Brandon Pleasant has a response to our, our stuff about uh, about J.D. Bertrand. He says, we would like more athletic linebackers like the Sneeds and Osbury's and Bowens, which is why LB recruiting is so frustrating. Some more length would be nice as well. But that's where I think you're missing the boat, Brandon, is yeah. J.D. Bertrand's an athletic kid. Uh, that, that's what I don't understand. Like, J.D. Bertrand's a pretty good athlete. There's not a lot of difference in athleticism between him and Drake Bowen. There's not. Yeah. In my opinion. There's, now, Jalen Seed's a bit of a unicorn athletically, but there, there's not a huge gap between J.D. Bertrand and, and Jaden Osbury and Drake Bowen athletically. There is size-wise between between Drake, but he's a much better athlete than Notre Dame fans give him credit for. I mean, much better athlete. I just don't I don't I don't get that. Why why and Brandon's some I respect, but like that yeah. JD can run. I mean, can I mean, he run like Jalen Sneed? No, but he can run. And also, I, I I would say, I mean, we're talking about recruiting here a little bit too, right? I mean, 2024 recruiting, linebacker recruiting is a mess, Brian, but do you think they're recruiting a bunch of undersized, not athletic kids though at linebacker? I wouldn't say that. No. I mean, I don't there's some the wild cards. Cahoon kid athletically, to be honest with you. But like, yeah, Cole but he's still, athlete. yeah, but even Bodie's still 6'2 with solid length though. Like, he's right. not a short dude. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? This like, year, I don't like the, I'm frustrated by the linebacker recruiting. Sure. Yeah. But it's also coming two years in a row after really good classes. And it's not a great year at linebacker anyway. Right. It's not. So, I mean, I, I get that, but some of the 2025 linebackers we've seen so far are pretty long and pretty dang athletic. I mean, I think part of the issue with 2024 class, Ryan, is there's some frustrations at positions that just aren't strong classes nationally. Yeah. You know, and, and I think some kids just aren't aren't getting the love because they're not ranked real high. Like the safety, I mean, Jalen McClain and it's a really good darn, I don't care what his ranking says. That's a good freaking football player. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, give me that yeah, I, kid. I, and you're, it's a good football player. Yeah, I agree. I, I, th- I think the biggest push for me back on the JD Bertrand thing is I don't think JD Bertrand is unathletic or anything. I think JD lacks size, which causes him to miss tackles at times. I don't think he has a great tackle radius, but I don't, I don't think he's unathletic. No, I don't. Sure. I mean, the length thing with JD, I get, and that was the yeah. issue that he had a little bit in coverage as a will, and why he he missed tackles as a will. But I think yeah. as a Mike, he, we haven't seen as many of those issues. You saw yeah. some out of out of out of place issues, but that was across yeah. the board, and that was more again. That's more of a coaching thing. That's why you get first of all, oh, put the young guys in. If these fifth seniors can't figure the defense out better, you think some freshman's going to figure the defense out better? The mm-hmm. problem was the coaching, not necessarily the talent in in some of these positions, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. JD can we'll run. See, man. We'll see. He man. can run. I I get the people don't think he can, but JD can run. He can run. I mean, Drew White ran like a four six. Yeah. I mean, Drew White's yeah. forty time was almost identical to Nicobe Dean's. Actually, he was, was faster like four, than Nicobe Dean. Four six seven or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. which for a Mike linebacker is running well. His problem is he did that at two twenty. Right. Yeah. And at two twenty, you need to be a four five if you're going to be play at the next level. But four five four six seven is still moving for a middle linebacker. Yep, and I'll be one to bet you a steak dinner, Ryan, that that JD Bertrand runs a better forty time than Drew White does. And Very possible. I, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't run a better time than Drew White did because he plays yep. faster than Drew. That's for sure. And, and Drew was a solid football player too. He just was small. Yes, that was the problem. He just was small. If your conversation is that again, like I always think that you want to improve, right? Like you always want to shoot better, shoot higher, better caliber players. And, but if the if the length thing is the biggest conversation, like, cool, man, I'm there. Like, if you want a lengthier middle linebacker, I'm good sure. with that. I get sure. that. 
That's that's the margin for error thing we talk yeah. about all the time, right? Like guys that have length have a a smaller mar- uh, a larger margin for error at times. Like that's yeah. kind of where we're looking at. So if that's yeah. the conversation, sure. I just fight back against the athleticism thing. I don't think he's a bad athlete. I think he's 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 not long. He's not a long dude. There's no right. doubt about that. Right. Here's an inter- very interesting question, Ryan. From Nathan Melton, you are you are surrounded by a bunch of angry fans who are about to start something. Which IB staffer is most likely talk uh, to talk their way out of it? Talk their way out of it. Huh? I don't think we have anybody on staff that would be able to. I think we would all have the same. Sean Styers, maybe. Yeah, like Sean Styers, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. No, but hey, if you knew Sean like I knew Sean, yeah, Sean's fiery. Like Sean doesn't take any BS. Like he has this like really good demeanor on on radio and, and on the shows and he's very like um and he's a good he's a good host and and he'll he'll allow the co-host to talk more and set people up he's a good interview he's experienced that's why i hired him yeah you know him percy sean's got sean's got a bit of a temper like i have and like you have and i told y'all at the ohio state game vince was like purposely bumping into ohio state fans because he's pissed about how the game went <laughs> So like I'm trying to publish a story and Vince is supposed to be like staying in front of me so I could like do this and not bump and Vince I look up and Vince is like peacocking in front of you know trying to purposely like get a source right bumping into people because he wants someone to say something to him <laughs> and I'm like Vince come on man and and Sean Ryan you know my temper so yeah. uh, you know I yeah I'm not I'm not confrontational I would just yeah. you know yeah he's right yeah you're so <laughs> You're so full of it. Peace and love, so, baby. Peace and yeah, love. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe Sean Styers. I don't know because he's got that veteran wisdom. I guess that's my best answer. But yes. I don't know if any of us have the temperament to talk our way out of it. I think we'd all probably <laughs> rather fight our way out of it. So uh, yeah, who knows? But yeah, I, I, don't, Vince I don't think would throw the well. first punch. <laughs> oh, Vince would absolutely. Vince would be Vince. Vince would like jump on the other side and like get in their ears, like you know, trying to instigate stuff. You know, that's right, what Vince yeah. would be doing. Yeah. That's what absolutely what Vince would be doing. No question. Vince would throw the first punch. Facts. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> From oh, Vanilla man. Chill. He said, can you see Avery Davis making at least a practice squad if he can be healthy enough for camps for NFL teams? Yes. I think so. Look, yeah. Vanilla Chill, here's, here's a little piece of um, – it's not that much of an intel. I think I've said this on the show before. But so there's a – there's one entity that goes around and they do the spring scouting every year. It's called NFS. NFS had Avery Davis, one of the scouts for them, had him with a seventh round grade coming in, coming into the year this year. So they had a borderline draftable grade on Avery Davis. I think Avery Davis is, was well liked in NFL circles. The question now is, you know, coming back from the injury and everything, right? Like that's kind of the biggest question mark. With Avery, but would it shock me if Avery Davis is on a practice squad next year? Absolutely not. Mm-mm. Would it be shocked? Would I be shocked if Avery Davis lasts in the NFL for like three or four years? Mm-mm. No, I wouldn't I, either. Like I think, I think he's gonna play longer than that. I really do. It's if if he's healthy, Ryan, because I still think he's a very raw football player because yeah. he hasn't really been coached. If I'm an NFL team who runs a, an offense that requires quickness and good route running and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to try to sign him and stash him away on my practice squad for a year or two in hopes of kind of getting him coached up and getting him back. And then maybe I might have something, but uh, yeah, I think he'd have a shot to do that. I'm not betting on it because of the injury. I think the injury is, you know, cause he's had multiple, the problem is he's had multiple lower yeah. body injuries and I don't think he was a kid. He's athletic, Ryan, but I don't know if he's athletic enough to, to, to have that kind of, injury history and he was underdeveloped obviously with coaching early on in his career and some position changes too like this year would have been great for avery to really take his game technically to another level as well you know so yeah missed out some time unfortunately yep absolutely next question is from john a1 is chris tyree still the best home run threat in the running back room yes but it's not it's not the gap that it used to be yeah. And it used to be like it was – I mean, it was not even close. But now with Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price, you have three home, legit home – I mean, and when we say home run threats, like, like look, Logan Diggs had a 75-yard touchdown last year, right? I mean, Tony Jones had an 85-yard touchdown. And, you know, the Broncos went years where they had very few Notre Dame guys. You had Ryan Harris for a minute and David Bruton for a little bit. And for whatever reason, the Broncos just haven't been a big pro Notre Dame team. I was, so I'm very happy to see that they signed Mike McGlinchey and Tony Jones Jr., uh, this off season. So I have a little bit of a Notre, I have a little bit more of a reason to watch and root for the Broncos. Now that there's some Notre Dame guys on there. So that'll help a little bit, but uh, yeah, 
yeah, I mean, you've got three legit home run threats now with Tyree, Jadarian Price, and Jeremiah Love. Jeremiah. No yes. doubt. Yes. No doubt. And they're all and they're all different styles of home run threats, which is cool too, right? I mean, it's right. like neither one of those guys is as fast as Chris Tyree, obviously. But like those two other guys are gonna maybe break some more tackles to get more opportunities to break into the open than maybe a Chris Tyree will. So it's just a different style, which is fun. Yeah. All right. Let's see here. Let's get some more here, Ryan. From Christopher Crosby, has there ever been a reason given why Junior is pl- Junior Tulamaka is playing Viper? To me, he screams middle linebacker. Do they just want to get him on the field until JD is gone? I think his JD is solid, so I would get that. I I, I think that would be a mistake if that was the reasoning. At his age, especially, yeah, you're going to yeah. waste, you know, because he he. It's not like he redshirted last year. He 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 blew his redshirt on special teams alone. Yeah. So. I, let him learn there and then maybe cross train him at Viper for certain looks if you want to. But I mean, they flat out moved him. Yeah. So no, I don't, I think, I don't know if they just like, uh, I don't know. It's confusing. I don't know if I, I don't know what Al Golden wants, Ryan. I, I have no, I can't figure out what he wants. And part of it's cause he's not been here long enough. Right. So, but I, uh, he, he's not recruiting a lot of guys with, J, with J, junior size. That's for sure. Yeah. But then when you do get guys here, you keep talking to them about get your weight up, get your weight up, get your weight up. Well, I'm like, well, you know, well, figure you it out, had, dude. You already had a guy with those weight yeah. up. Yeah. But I, I thought he moved. I thought he looked great in the spring game last year. I thought he did. I mean, I thought he moved well. He made tackles. He played side to side. I, I was shocked when they moved him. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Sure. It really didn't. And well, maybe he didn't look fast in the fall because you were asking him to do so much mentally and he wasn't playing fast. But I think it was a mistake, in my opinion. I really do. I really do. Question for We Are Not Marshall. I feel like we haven't heard from you in a while, sir. Yeah. Alabama moved Jameer Gibbs all over the field last year with great success. Can Notre Dame replicate that with Chris Tybree? No, not really. It's a he's a different type of athlete. I mean, they yeah. could they could move him around a lot, which we've advocated for, but not the same way you did with Jameer Gibbs because Jameer's a lot shiftier than Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree's more explosive vertically. Not that Jameer's slow, but Chris Tyree's one of the fastest players in college football. Yeah, I think, but Jameer's I think, more I think, shifty. I think, I think, I think Jameer ran like four three six, so he's pretty yeah. fast as well. Yeah. yeah, to your point. But he didn't. He did not play like a four three six guy. He's shifty. He's quick. He's agile. He's elusive. Chris is a straight line guy. So mm-hmm. with Jameer, I'm running a ton of screens with Jameer. I'm getting him in space. With Chris, I want to get him a crease. Get him a yeah. crease, and he's going to go. With Jameer, it's get him in space, and he'll make his own crease. You know what I mean, Ryan? Yeah. And Chris can't do that. That's not who Chris is. Yeah, and so. Yes, you can use them both around, but Jameer's a guy that you just got to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands and get him in space and then let him do his thing. With Chris, it's get him in space, but then design it in a way where you're trying to get a crease where he can outrun people. Yeah. And that's my big thing. So they're just different. And and Jameer's bigger. Like he's a little bigger than Chris is as well, especially. Yeah, yeah, he's like 200 pounds. Yeah. And he's like, what, 5'11 ish? Or so, 5'10, right? 5'11, something like that. Yeah. Chris is 5'9. Yeah. So I think that's part of it as well. Yeah. I think He's that's more, a good note. Yeah. I think that's a good go note. I, I would say Jameer is just a little more creative out in space yeah. than what Chris is. Chris is, but when you give Chris a crease, then you're cooking yes. with grease. Like, that's oh, where you're absolutely. At. Absolutely. No question about it. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to ask this one because it is a draft question. Uh, Vanilla okay. Chill, Ryan, Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson. Who do you think is the best among them in the draft? Also, who do you think would fit the Bears the best out of them? So I think this is a great conversation between floor and ceiling on this type of conversation piece. I think out of Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson has the highest upside, in my opinion. You know, you're talking about a guy in Paris Johnson that is 6'6", 310 plus pounds, 36 plus inch arms, man. His length is just ridiculous. And he's a good athlete. I know people, I don't know if people saw his pro day film yesterday, Brian, but they did this nice little um, he had to jump up and then he had to work in a vertical set and he had to quickly switch both both stances, which was pretty wild, man. He was really smooth. The big thing about Paris Johnson, though, is that Paris Johnson only played one year at left tackle. He was a starting guard previously. So, like, he is not near to his ceiling because he's literally only been he only started one year at left tackle for Ohio State. So long term upside, I think he has the most of the bunch. I would say the next highest is Broderick Jones because Broderick Jones has really nice foot quickness. He's a boulder man, like great base that he plays with. 
But Peter Skaronsky is the highest floor of the group. He's the best best football player on that list right this second. But there's going to be questions for – I mean, there's going to be some teams that just aren't going to have Peter Skaronsky on their offensive tackle board. There's going to be some that look past the arm length conversation and they leave him a tackle. There's going to be other teams that just don't even aren't even going to bother to watch the film on if he can play offensive tackle or not. They're just going to say arm length, you can't do it type of conversation. So I would say Paris Johnson has the highest upside, followed by Broderick. Highest floor, though, is Peter Skaronsky. Who fits best for the Bears? I mean, I think if you get any three, they're an upgrade over what you had last year, man. Like, it just was not great for the Bears last year. I know you got to steal in the left tackle, uh, Braxton Jones, who's out of Southern Utah. I thought he played pretty well at left tackle for a six-round rookie. But whoever you get in this class, I think is going to be an upgrade at least one of the offensive line positions for the Chicago Bears. I would personally, if all three were on the board, I think I would take Paris Johnson just because I think that that upside is just so tremendous and you need a true blindside kid. But I don't, I, I mean, all of those three upgrade your offensive line. They just do. Here's the thing with Paris Johnson too, Ryan. If you truly believe he has the highest upside and it's it's somewhat significant, and I would say it's it, you, know, you can make a case for that. Then I then I would say you have to kind of go with um, him because the Bears aren't a Super Bowl team next year. Now they're uh, hopefully in two three years you can build to that point, right? So you take that out of the higher ceiling. Peter Skaronsky has the highest floor, and yeah. I would say that Broderick Jones is in the co- competition with him for floor. I think for me, Johnson and Jones are the two that I would go with. I'm still not a hundred percent sold that Skaronsky can be a tackle in in the NFL. I'm still not 100% sold just because, you know, I just, I've got my reasons, but I, the other kid, the other two kids to me are for sure tackles. And, and I'll be honest with you, Ryan, when I, when I first got into this, you know, kind of looking at this draft class, I was not a huge fan of Broderick Jones. Uh, thought he was good coming out of high school, but, you know, he was kind of good, okay last year, but I was like, okay, let me, let me just, I never really noticed him, right? Never stood out to me. Yeah. But, um, when I saw when I went out and really studied more film, I was like, okay, yeah, this guy's pretty good, he especially is. if you're a team that wants to run the football. Yeah, in my opinion, like Play, that plays with a great base. He's got the best base in the class, in my opinion. Man, yeah. he has just this really wide, powerful base. Always seems to be on on balance. You know, like he just his base never gets skinny, and that's one thing about Paris Johnson that is an inconsistency right now. Is sometimes his base gets a little narrow, right. and that affects his power profile because. Paris Johnson's a strong dude, man. He's really powerful. But when you get that narrow base, you kind of lose a little bit of that power. Well, not a little bit. You lose a lot of that power profile. So there's some baseline things that need to get figured out in that regard. But I think that Broderick has a a substantial floor, in my opinion. And he has has offensive tackle traits. I mean, he's got 34-plus-inch arms. He ran sub five in the 40-yard dash. He tested really well. He's got got all the traits to play offensive tackle at the next level. Yep. And look. Peter Skronsky would not be the first 32 and a quarter inch arm length guy to be a really good tackle. We've seen it. It just. It's rare. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if he necessarily has the rare traits to be for. He strikes me a lot like a Zach Martin. This isn't to say I don't like Peter Skronsky a lot. If you needed a, if you needed a right tackle or a guard and you wanted to take him. Sure. Okay. I think with the Bears specifically, Ryan, I think they need a left tackle. Would you agree with that? Like they, if they could move the kid they had last year over to right tackle and have like a, a true like top 10 caliber NFL draft caliber talent left tackle, wouldn't that be better sure. for them, yeah. don't you think? Yeah, and that's sure. where I'm coming from, where I don't know if Peter Skaronsky is that guy. You know, that's that's kind of where I look. It's like, would you be better off having Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones at left tackle and the kid you were talking about at right tackle or that kid's eight left tackle and Skaronsky moves to right tackle? I, you know, that's kind of the way I look at it. I don't know if I would want Peter Skaronsky playing left tackle for me but that's a obviously just my opinion i know there's nfl teams and nfl scouts that don't agree with me on that and sure you know take their word for that there's never there's there's never a consensus among nfl teams i've learned over the years yeah even when there should be yes (laughs) even when there should be it was like it was like Uh, i mean i I liked rg3 and baylor but it was just like andrew luck man like (laughs) what are we what are we thinking what are we talking about here you know like it's just such so easy but yeah
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.